It is high time for the church and Christians to start rethinking about divorce. Welcome to the Pastor's Voice. I am Rule Sample, and I am talking to pastors and church leaders about the current issues of the day that are impacting their ministries and the people they serve. I start my conversation with Gretchen Baskerville, author of The Life-Saving Divorce, Hope for People Leaving Destructive Relationships. Today we look at the troubling reality of the reasons behind many divorces in this country, both for Christians and non-Christians alike. We also talk about the reactions of the church and how scripture allows spouses to get out of marriages that are abusive and harmful. I am honored to have you here. Gretchen, this book seems to go against church teaching completely. So tell us about your ministry, tell us about your book, and the reasons why you decided to be courageous and write such a book. Oh, well, thank you for asking. Yeah, it did take some courage. I waited until I was I was retired to write this book uh, because I've worked in Christian organizations all my life. But the other thing I've done all my life, or, or at least for the last um, 20 to almost 25 years now, is I've been a Christian divorce recovery leader in conservative churches in the Los Angeles area since 1998. So I have learned a lot. And one of the things I've I had to face as a young divorce recovery leader right after my divorce, a couple of years after my divorce, was that to really understand that there is a big difference between frivolous divorces and life-saving divorces. And our churches tend, and I don't, you know, I know they're well-meaning. I know the pastors out there are well-meaning. But our churches tend to make it sound like 95% of divorces are frivolous and only a handful are really, really uh, life-saving. But the truth of the matter is when you look at the research studies on reasons people gave for their divorces, about half, maybe even more than half, were for what I call the life-saving reasons. And those are the very serious reasons. And we know as Christians that God is against sexual immorality, uh, physical violence, um, chronic emotional abuse. I mean, God want, God specifically told us that our marriages are to be loving, to be caring, to be nurturing, right? So we know that these kinds of abusive conditions or where there's... Um, really serious uh, life-destroying addictions or that lead to indifference and neglect, we know those can't possibly be on the heart of God as being a good Christian marriage. I mean, that God is not mocked, right? So I learned that about half of divorces in the United States are for these very, very serious things. That's a that's and, a big that's a big claim, uh, and, and I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. That's yeah, a big go for claim it. because we don't hear that. We don't we 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 hear that 50 percent of all marriages in the in the United States end in divorce, and there's no difference in that statistic inside or outside the church, which is, which is a problem itself. But you're saying that 50% at least are caused by an unhealthiness in one or both of the spouses. Yeah, something that's severe, something that is a pattern. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, the 
you know, we're, we're all sinners, right? We all do dumb things or insensitive things or uncaring things. I'm talking about patterns, a pattern of sexual immorality, a pattern of physical violence um, used to dominate and intimidate the other person, um, uh, a, uh, a pattern of using fear and obligation and guilt to uh, and using God's name to force uh, one spouse to obey the other spouse uh, and uh, cover up for their marriage endangering sin. So, yeah, we know we never talk about that. Um, and those studies are out there. Um, uh, uh, the number one reason for divorce in America is, is sexual immorality, is adultery. And close on its heels are a physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, and then also uh, the life, the what I call family-crushing addictions. You know, this is where someone takes the rent and the grocery money and they squander it, whether it be on gambling or on spending or on prostitutes or just, you know, anything. So uh, there are people who are willing to throw the entire family under the bus for their own selfish desires and wants. And uh, we just don't talk about that uh, uh, in our churches. In your research and in your working with people in the churches, is there a noticeable statistical notice, uh, uh, statistical difference between those in the churches and those outside of the churches who are wrestling with these issues? Oh, I, I wish I could tell you. Yes. Um, <clears throat> a, a really interesting study just came out within the last two years from the pro-marriage, highly conservative think tank called the Institute for Family Studies. And what they discovered is that in the United States, uh, one in four couples have what they call interpersonal violence. And that goes for both highly religious couples and completely secular couples. It's unique to the United States. Um, in other countries uh, that were surveyed, they actually found that religion did make a huge difference about uh, whether or not there would be interpersonal violence. But uh, sadly, here in the United States, even highly religious couples, uh, one in four, uh, do have interpersonal violence. And Barna Group has also said that even in the most conservative churches, about uh, one in four Christians are divorced. And, you know, good conservative Christians aren't quitters. I mean, we don't, we're not looking for the grass is greener or the easy way out. We're not the kind of people who would get an I'm bored divorce or I feel unfulfilled divorce or, you know, I just missed the party life divorce. That's not us. Us. We were in it for the long haul. I don't know about you, but I was brought up in an excellent Christian home where my parents have been happily married for 60 years and counting. I mean, I had a wonderful home. Uh, my parents are genuine believers. Um, and yet, you know, there are just enough um, destructive people out there uh, who, you know, and sometimes even devout Christians marry them. And uh, even though, you know, we aren't the abusers, we aren't the child molesters, we aren't the, you know, the cheaters, we end up with someone like this. And of course, they want us to believe that, 
you know, we're the problem um, uh, to excuse themselves, but we're not. And, and that's just the sad reality. It's just a numbers game. You know, there are just a certain number of very charming, uh, but very destructive people out there. And sometimes we Christians marry them. Let me tell you about Pastor Terry Nightingale. Terry is a pastor in the southern suburbs of Perth, Australia. Every week he publishes a four-minute devotional bringing hope and insight. Here he is in his own words. This is Pastor Terry from 4-Minute Devotions, the podcast. I love the Bible. I love the stories. I love the stories about Jesus. I love the way the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New. I love the way that you can read a story or read a passage of scripture a hundred times and yet today, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. The Holy Spirit reveals something new. Well, these four minute devotions are designed just to help you on your way, on your day. Maybe you're out running. Maybe you're on your way to work. Maybe you're on a train going somewhere and you just want to dive into God's presence for a few minutes. Well, I pray these devotions will bless you. Join Terry every week for his devotional. You can find him on Apple Podcasts at 4-Minute Devotions, the podcast, or in any of your favorite podcast sites. The last two, last two years now, almost the last two years, we've talked about COVID-19 and what has been called the pan-divorce. Uh, ha- have these have these statistics about interpersonal violence gone up? Are there studies that show that or otherwise? Well, definitely, you know, the homicides have gone up. Um, I thought you were going to ask me if divorce rate has gone up, but uh, with the courts closed so much in 2020, uh, divorce rate obviously could not, you know, skyrocketed as people uh thought it would because you you simply couldn't go to court. You couldn't get a judge to rule on your case. But yeah, we absolutely know that uh, uh, homicides have gone through the roof. Now, when you're trapped with your abuser and you can't run, you can't get on that plane, you um, have no place to go. Um, your friends you know, maybe uh, don't want an outsider in their home due to the COVID thing, whatever. Uh, it we suspect that there's a lot more domestic violence going on, certainly um, violence toward children, hmm. because uh, children would normally uh, say something to their teacher or to the school counselor. And that's how a lot of that uh, domestic violence gets reported. And with the kids not in school, that means a lot is is happening behind closed doors and never getting reported. So experts in this area, I'm not one, I'm not an expert, are extremely concerned that child abuse is skyrocketing and it's not being reported. So let's go back to my question. Why aren't churches getting involved in this? Why are they turning a blind eye to a woman or a man who says this? This person that I'm married to in the public is a saint, but he is he is uh, bound to some unhealthy or ungodly actions at home. He's abusing me. He's abusing other people. Why aren't churches helping these people out? Right. That is such a good question. You know, why 
why don't they believe me when I say this person looks so good on the outside, but behind closed doors, they're brutal. Um, I think the answer to that is really well-meaning. Um, I think our ideology is that God can fix any marriage, that God plus you plus me, God, any marriage can be, can be fixed. Um, and that, um, our prayer, our fasting, our righteous, godly example will inspire that person who maybe is having some trouble um, to become a good person and to want to become a good person. And so we are very optimistic people. We are filled with hope. We are filled with faith. We are confident that God can change even the most hardened sinner. The problem is that hardened sinner has got to want to change. And that's what we're missing. Um, and um, I think the second part, uh, the second answer to your question is that we have made divorce a culture war issue. We want to be seen as being better than worldly culture. And so we want to say that our marriages are better. Our marriages are healthier. Our marriages are happier and more sexually fulfilling. And so what we do is we, instead of looking at the reasons they're not, we put peer pressure on people who start wondering, should I divorce? We, we don't ask questions. We start uh, preaching sermons like the one I heard at my church. If you walk away from your marriage, you're walking away from Jesus. Oh, and no, that, no, no. He did not say that. Yes, he did say that. And he said it five times in one sermon. And I had, um, I was leading divorce recovery group in the church. And a lot of the people in my group are um, uh, domestic violence victims, physical violence and emotional coercion. And a woman called me that afternoon, Sunday afternoon after the, after the church. And she said, if I hadn't been in your divorce recovery groups, I would be on the floor in fetal position, curled up, sucking my thumb because that pastor just told me I'm losing my salvation by wanting a divorce to get away from my horrible husband. And I knew her husband. I had known them socially. I had been in their presence many, many times over the prior three years. And I already knew he was a, a, a troubled man who um, couldn't seem to live by social norms. He was just always, he was one of these people who felt that rules were meant to be broken. He was vicious to her. He was, he never hit her. He was smart enough never to hit her, but I mean, he might as well have because his emotional behavior to her, his, his viciousness, his contempt for her were just as bad. So um, our churches, when we take a strong culture war view of divorce as always being wrong and always being against what God wants, oh man, we are causing so much hurt and pain in our churches. So what do pastors need to do? Oh, wow. Okay. First of all, is to get that nuanced view that there are 50% of, of divorces are genuinely life-saving. Um, second, I think we need a more nuanced view of, uh, and, and we need to read all 
the Bible passages about divorce, not just our cherry-picked ones, okay? So mm-hmm. we need to not only be aware that, you know, Jesus condoned divorce for sexual immorality and Paul condoned divorce for abandonment by an unbeliever, but we also need to look at uh, the Old Testament verses. Uh, I mean, if we accept Malachi 2.16, which is an Old Testament verse saying, you know, and, and we accept that view that God hates divorce, and we'll talk about that in a, a bit, then we also have to accept other things in the law of Moses. For example, um, the command for a man to divorce his wife um, if he refuses to provide for her at the minimum standard of care. That's in Exodus 21, 10 through 11. Uh, men, if, if they took on a second or third wife, they couldn't take their first wife and say, you know, I don't really like her all that much. I'm no longer going to provide the minimum required amount of care for her. And in Jewish times, in ancient Judaism, those rabbis actually, and this isn't biblical, this is this is from the ancient Jewish literature, they actually spelled out um, when they talked about Exodus 21, 10, 10 through 11, exactly how much food and clothing and, and love you were to give to your wife. And if you weren't willing to do that, she was free to go. She could petition the, the court and, and be let free. Now Another, that, goes, that goes against everything that we often hear is that we often see the Old Testament as just being only the guy can divorce. But what you're saying is, is no, if, if these conditions were met, the woman could go and petition for divorce. Right. Um, their laws weren't at all like our laws today. So we really have to kind of erase what we know about divorce law in America or in the Western world. And back then, a man didn't need to go through any kind of court process at all to send away his wife. He would uh, give her a certificate of divorce, send her out the door. Uh, there were some financial things that he had to do because uh, there was a bride price and then if her father gave her a dowry, um, those had to be returned to her if the divorce was not justified. Um, uh, I'm sorry, they had to be returned to her if he was um, divorcing her and he did, and she hadn't committed adultery, for example. But women at that time could petition. They could not enact a divorce. They couldn't do the instant divorce that the men could do, but they could petition the court for a divorce. They could uh, go to the court and say, hey, my husband is not following the basic minimum standards of care for me. I'm being starved. He's he's refusing to give me food, to give, refusing to give me clothing. refusing to give me my marital rights. And the court could say to him, hey, buddy, uh, either shape up or you need to divorce her and give her a certificate of divorce. And sometimes the man was just kind of a miserly dude. You know, he (laughs) just liked having her around. Maybe she was a great cook. Uh, Maybe she was his first wife, but his third wife was sexier. And, you know, he just wanted to save a little money on wife number uh, one by not taking care of her. Uh, but at the same time, he, he didn't want to lose her either. You know, she was uh, better at weaving than wife number three or, you know, better at cooking. And so th- these guys would actually try to get away with it, try to get away with um, not providing the basic 
basic level of, of standards of care, and then also not divorcing her, giving her a certificate of divorce so she could go marry someone else. So it was a real problem. And so what would happen, and, and we find this in ancient Jewish literature, um, the court would actually find some Gentiles who would beat the husband until he volunteered to give the wife a certificate of divorce. <laughs> Uh, women couldn't, uh, until about the time of Jesus, women, it was just, women could not do the same kinds of things that, that men could do. Next week, I continue my discussion with Gretchen by talking about how the church must respond to divorce brought about by violence and abuse. We have included a list of vital links, including how to purchase Gretchen's book at our website, Please also consider supporting this ministry by using the Support the Show link. If you have any questions about our podcast, would like to be a guest, or would like to become a sponsor, please email us at podcasts at thepastorsvoice.net. I am Rule Sample. Thank you for listening.